Hi. This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. The Drama Victoria State Conference is on in December, so please go to dramavictoria.vic.edu.au to find out more and book your spot in one of the amazing workshops running this December. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are speaking to the creators of A Midnight Visit, Danielle Harvey, the creative director, and Kirsten Siddle, the creative producer. A Midnight Visit is an immersive theatre performance that has occurred in Perth, Sydney, and now in Melbourne till November 17th. This performance is inspired by the works of Edgar Allan Poe. It uses a range of theatrical techniques to engage their audience, including 36 separate rooms to explore. To find out more, go to amidnightvisit.com. Please note, this episode was not recorded in the studio, so the audio quality is not as high as it usually is. Without any further ado, I bring you a conversation with Danielle Harvey and Kirsten Siddle from A Midnight Visit. Uh, Welcome to The Aside, uh, Danielle and Kirsten. Hi there, Nicholas. Hello. Thank you for giving us your time today. Uh, We'll jump into our first question. How would you describe A Midnight Visit? Um, a surreal uh, dream world um, full of surprise and wonder and uh, secrets to discover uh, and something that uh, is a real shapeshifter. Um, it's um, not one thing or the other. It's, uh, it's constantly moving and, um, and adapting itself around you. Beautiful. Now, we, we have the director, Danielle Harvey, and Kirsten Siddle, the producer here. So maybe one at a time or together, we don't mind. Uh, what has been your role or your roles in the development of this fantastic piece of immersive theatre? Uh, so this is Danielle. <laughs> um, and uh, what has been like everything and everything um, relies on each other's parts. So everything kind of blends because when you're not just creating a straight theatre show and you're thinking about say the parameters of a stage when you're considering letting an audience in and on that stage uh, the way that you have to approach the set the sound the audience um, just literally being there goes above and beyond how uh, a director might normally just approach a straight stage where all the machinations that are going on behind the scenes are somewhat hidden and there's obviously a huge production going on behind stage to get to make what's happening. But in an immersive piece like A Midnight Visit, all of that's on the show. So um, the collaboration between all the parts, and that's, um, you know, a very different way as well for, I think, producers and directors to often work together because we're both merging into both sides of what each other does because it's beyond just what you're seeing on a normal stage. Yeah, this is Kirsten here. And so, uh, yes, I'm a creative producer for A Midnight Visit. And um, that, I think, the way Danielle and I approach it is uh, we we can take um, different uh, leads depending on what aspects um, or, you know, what we're focused on at any one time. And 
And so we do morph between some of these uh, roles, as Danielle said, um, more freely than you might in um, a traditional uh, traditional theatre company or traditional production company. Um, but, um, you know, from when we began this journey with the Midnight Visit, it's um, everything from um, conceiving the world and, and how we might put it together. Um, of course, finding venues, um, getting the right cast, um, really thinking about, we, we very much position ourselves thinking about everything from the audience experience and starting from that point. And so really thinking about every touch point, um, you know, every interaction that people have and how we're building the immersive um, aspects, um, you know, from the very beginning. So, um, gosh, you know, from setting up um, before you attend uh, a midnight visit, when you're buying a ticket, you're introduced to uh, the Undertaker, and the Undertaker uh, runs a business called um, House of, the House of Usher, and they've been doing funeral services, dignified farewells since 1849. And so um, all your interactions when you're buying a ticket um, before you come to the venue is with um, this business. So we, we the, the um, uh, House of Usher funeral services and the Undertaker. So we start to build those touch points from that very beginning and so thinking um, I guess thinking about um, uh, the audience's experience at every step of the way would be um, I guess uh, a good definition for my role and um, and uh, you know everything from the kind of um, mechanics of actually delivering a show to the more um, you know creative aspects um, you know everything from finding a venue to an appropriate venue through to actually working out, um, you know, uh, aspects of set design and so on. Yes, especially considering that you did the same show in two different states. I'm, after seeing the show, I'm amazed by how you were able to find a venue that suited both, both, uh, both cities. That's amazing. Uh, and on that... Uh, it was actually three different states. Because it was... Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah and I think you know your, your what you just picked up on is how would you you know how do you actually take this show and and um, redo it is that the show um, has been different in each iteration we haven't made um, uh, exactly the same show because uh, because it is so reliant on uh, finding space and then working with um, the space that we've got so um, there have been new rooms introduced into um, both Perth and, and Melbourne that we didn't have in Sydney. Uh, there's been new characters that have been introduced um, and, uh, you know, lots of different um, tricks and treats, I guess, um, that, that are actually quite, uh, you know, quite fresh. And, um, uh, yes, so it's, it, it's, yes, it's the same show or it's the same world, but it's actually um, adapted itself um, and, you know, we, we're constantly um, thinking up uh, ways to um, enhance the audience experience and, um, you know, do things differently. Beautiful. Uh, this is probably a long form answer, so feel free to 
answer however you wish, but it's a long question as well. So why did you choose immersive theatre for the exploration of Poe? Or what was the process? Poe first and then immersive? Or did you follow some other process to get content themes after starting with immersion? How did this come about? Uh, well, when Kirsten and I were talking about wanting to work together, and this is the first time we've we've worked together in other guises, but this is the first time we've come together to make something um, together, we knew we wanted to do something new and unique and that really um, used all of the skills in our um, baskets um, from, um, you know, our various careers and interests and hats. Um, and so looking at you know, what was different as to what was uh, around um, immersive, a piece of a large scale piece of immersive was going to be unique. It hadn't been done to this scale in Australia for a theatre experience. And so um, that's where we started. And then Poe um, became an obvious choice when we were starting to think about things. And so I suppose part of the role for directing this is lots and lots and lots of research. So reading really extensively and going down those rabbit holes as to how Poe has influenced other culture, um, what other homages there are to his work. Because when you're building a world, particularly a world that um, is based on somebody else's work, you're going to get people who know that work really well, sometimes coming. And we knew we wanted to make it authentic for them, but also accessible for people who might not know Poe's work. He's not as well known in Australia as he is in America, for example, but his influence on popular culture and particularly sci-fi, fantasy, detective, and of course, horror genres is really enormous. And so um, a big part as well in terms of in creating something like this and world building is also having um, the time to, um, to imagine and to follow those rabbit holes. And that's a big part of, uh, of um, working with someone like Kirsten, as she said, there's all, all of these mechanics that also have to be thought about, but to build a rich world and start to whittle down which characters, it was really extensive research and starting to, notice the patterns in Poe's work, notice the patterns in popular culture, which were going to be the entry points for audiences that didn't know Poe's work to access um, the world and the characters. And um, you can see that through the various tropes that are on display. Yeah. And Nicholas, can I um, just add um, that I guess when we, when we landed, you know, when we decided we wanted to make um, you know, a large scale immersive piece. It was very much driven by um, the way we wanted to um, engage with audiences and to engage in a way that is um, maybe much more real for want of a better word and certainly potentially um, much more impactful than necessarily uh, sitting in a traditional theatre, even though we, you know, we both love um, going to traditional theatre as well. And we were aware that there were um, potentially, you know, uh, uh, big audiences out there who may not consider themselves theatre goers or may not consider going to um, one of those traditional venues, but actually um, a, an immersive world like this is something that 
um, is both entertaining, um, you know, is um, drives their curiosity, drives their own creativity, and um, you know, is is something that they can really feel in um, a much richer way. Absolutely, and you can experience this without knowing Poe, without knowing theatre, and still take something away from it, something powerful away from it, which is a really special niche you've carved out there. I think. One. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. I'm lucky enough to have seen it or experienced it. Sorry. Uh, I think you answered this question, but I, I would be interested to see if you have more to say on it, if you're happy to extend your response. Uh, what do you think audiences gain from an experience like this beyond the, the wow factor? I think what um, Kirsten just said, you know, the sense of play is really prevalent in the show and it is about engaging audiences' creativity. Um, and the deeper and longer that they journey into that world, the more brave they become. We see audiences change throughout the, throughout the show and how scared, what role they're going to choose to play in this um, world um, is really up to them and that's that choose your own adventure uh, style. And for some people, um, you know, they instantly get it and they're there and they're respectful just like any kind of play, you know, watching children play in the playground, you know, there are rules to the games, but everyone gets to have a go, especially if you sort of abide by the rules. Um, and it's much more fun if everyone plays along. And so that's a big part of all of those touch points and, and um, what the performers are trying to do is constantly engage you and let you choose how far you want to go into the play and into um, using your own creativity what does and they give you suggestions some of them are showing you how you can you know use the the rooms or the props or the uh other characters around you to kind of enhance your play um and some it's a more straight performance element um and then when they leave the space you're free to kind of discover and look at what what it was that they were talking about in that room so um you know apart from the the wow factor it is absolutely designed around engaging people's creativity and it's a very creative process from working with our set designers and prop makers and uh, soundscape designers uh, there's so much going on it's just, you know and the final sort of level is then the audience gets to be part of that collaboration too. Yeah, speaking of audience can students explore this or have a go of this immersive experience? Yes, um, yes, we, we love having um, students there, young people there. We, we recommend that the show, the, the show for 15, age 15 up, um, because there are, you know, there are uh, some dark themes in there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's for, for um, you know, m mature um, uh, young people as well. And um, we find that, um, when we have uh, students or young, young people in the experience that um, they are actually um, getting a huge amount out of it that perhaps um, uh, adults um, miss because we actually train ourselves not to be as creative as we, as we um, get, you know, get older. And so um, our cast absolutely loves um, the energy of, uh, of a, a young audience in there. Um, and uh, it's always, um, you know, always uh, a delight. No, I know how much my students loved it. They had an absolute ball. Uh, and many are keen to go back with their parents.
Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so do you think this is the future of theatre uh, drama performances? Why do you think that might be or, or why not? Oh, look, actually, um, I think it's interesting what you said, um, that many of your students wanted to come back and that they wanted to bring their parents. I was just going to say that we have, we have found that uh, um, in that... Um, we have been engaging people who wouldn't consider themselves theatre goers who then do come back and bring their parents back and like, come and see this new way of, um, you know, new type of theatre making. And I think, I, I don't think that it's, um, it will uh, replace perhaps more traditional forms of theatre, but I think it's certainly um, a, an area and a form that is really exciting and when you when you get it it's it's also very risky um and very hard um and so you know a lot of people don't attempt it because the you know the challenges are just so great um but it's uh it can be very rewarding and i think can be uh, an extraordinarily impactful experience so i think it's we will definitely see more uh immersive theater in our world um, we certainly um, will be creating more of it and, um, you know, we hope that colleagues will also um, take take that on and uh, take the challenges on. Um, but we think there's, you know, there's also a, the place for um, more traditional conventional theatre as well. Great. That might incorporate elements of immersive theatre or do you think it's an all-in? I think it's an all-in personally because... Uh, I think there's a big difference between world building and a true immersive experience um, versus audience interaction. And um, I think it's always important not to confuse those two things um, just because the satisfaction out of being fully immersed and having every single sense, and in a Midnight Visits case, even the sixth sense, um, it, you know, titillated, uh, that takes something that's beyond uh, just audience right. interaction. Uh, I am a VCU drama and theatre studies teacher and I know how keen my students are to create their own immersive theatre experience next year as part of their VCU drama ensemble task. So this question really does come from a personal place. But uh, how could students do this themselves, likely on a, on a much smaller scale, or do you think they even could? Absolutely. Yes, could. Yeah, I think start with thinking about the right venue or space that's going to um, instantly enhance without having to build the enormous sets and things that, um, that, that we've had to in our warehouses. Uh, that's, you know, the first, first place to sort of start um, and, you know, working with what you've got. So really go back to your site-specific work and looking at those sorts of things as a starting point and then build on from there. I'm just imagining, you know, you, it could be a, a, some, a starting point even as simple as, oh, our world takes place um, on a Melbourne tram and actually, you know, you could create a, a whole um, immersive world on a, an actual tram um, <laughs> and, uh, and build your story through that. Um, but then similarly, you can, you know, you can recreate um, something... Uh, or create even just one room or one space um, where your world can be um, located mm, and fully um, enhanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we you know we have thirty six rooms in the Midnight Visit, and so there is that um, choose your own adventure aspects of of moving through the spaces. But I think to create um, 
a great piece of immersive theatre that, that that's not um, necessarily needed. Mm. And um, there's a company, there's a company um, from um, the UK actually who's got um, two, they're not um, performance based, but it's experiential work and um, they've got two pieces that are, um, each one is in a shipping container each. But once you go into the shipping container, you're in one room and you're in this perfect room. One is actually the inside of an aeroplane and uh, the other is as if you're at a seance table. And so, you know, it can be just one space that is just um, perfect and believable and real. Have you been inspired by any other immersive theatre works or do you prefer not to mention those experiences? Um, well, we, we're happy to talk about it because um, um, people who have experienced immersive theatre, say, outside of Australia, like it's, you know, sometimes when we're, we've, we've been trying to introduce the concept of um, immersive theatre, it's been useful because it's given people um, a reference point, I guess, to start to understand it because it's so, it's such an unknown genre here in Australia. Um, but we, and we certainly, um, I think you, the probably, uh, one of the pieces that, um, Danielle and I, um, both, um, love is a piece called Then She Fell, which is based around Alice, Alice's adventures. And it's in, um, in New York and it's been running for about eight years and it's very, it's a small, a small, comparatively small show, but just very, um, beautifully put together. Um, and, you know, so of course we're interested in seeing um, other immersive pieces and, and we, um, you know, think about how, um, how things have been put together. But um, we have very much forged our own, um, our own way with the Midnight Visit. And I think one of the things that we've been um, very adamant about from the outset, and I don't think that this is necessarily always, you know, or needs to be this way, um, but for us is that we love um, the fact that we're using a range of different um, performing art forms as um, tools or vehicles for us to tell the story. So although Poe, um, obviously um, a great um, literary mind, um, it's not just text-based theatre that we're using and, you know, we use a huge amount of um, music, live music, um, circus, um, dance, you know, we, we'll use um, any form that we, um, we can. We've used magic, um, anything that helps us tell um, the stories in different ways that might um, reach and touch audiences in different ways. So I don't I think that you know some of us will respond to um, uh, oral uh, stimulus uh, more than um, you know something else, and so we we just want to use any of those art forms at our disposal to create our world. Thank you so very much for your time today, Danielle and Kirsten. Thank, thank you, you. Um, and thank you very much for um, you know, um, having having the interest and we're so, so delighted that um, your students had such a good time. That makes us really um, very proud and feeling really good about it. So thank you. If you would like to find out more about A Midnight Visit, please go to amidnightvisit.com and I encourage you to do so. That is all from us at The Aside. There are a load of episodes in the bank, so feel free to go through those and find one that piques your interest. 
We get a number of emails each week and we are very happy to answer your questions or respond to your requests. Just contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.